0: Let's get things started off today with a question. How many of you guys love being judged? Hand, no hands? Nobody likes being judged? Right, none of us actually like being judged, right? It was a trick, trick question. But here's what I'm gonna do for you all today. I'm gonna start this service off with doing something very vulnerable. Uh, I'm gonna let you judge me. And I'm gonna tell you the truth, which is, I'm about to disclose something to you from my past, which I've not disclosed, I don't think, to anybody here, uh, including the staff. And so if you would um, allow me to do that this morning, I'm gonna get a little bit heavy, a little bit deep um, right off the bat. So don't judge me too hard. Um, But when I was a kid, I was in pageants. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I looked good while I was doing it too. <laughs> but there's one reason that I was in the pageant. Well, I don't remember which particular pageant this was. I was only in a few, don't get, you know, get carried away here, like two or three, wasn't a lifestyle. <laughs> there's one reason I was in this pageant though. And that's because my mom wanted me to be. You see that smile right there? That is fake. <laughs> that's manufactured. I guarantee you, I was promised something. I was bribed with a Ninja Turtle toy or something. Because I do not want to be, first of all, I do not want to be wearing that. Who wants to be wearing that? I'm wearing shorts with tall socks, suspenders and a bow tie. Like I had to get dressed up. Like It's, it's like, almost like picture day or something, which everybody hates picture day, right? It seems like women like picture day somehow. I don't think it's true, but they, they pretend they do where you like put on clothes that you would never normally wear and like let's take our family picture to show everyone who we are. That's what it's like. You hated picture day, but this was like picture day times 10. Not only do I have on all these clothes, I had to dress nice. It's kind of like going to church. I didn't like church. Sometimes I still don't like church. I like putting on nice clothes. You get on your nice clothes and then you go to the end of this runway and you have on these nice clothes and People judge you, which is also like church. So there you stand being judged. And as we just discovered, none of us like being judged. And so I didn't really care for the experience of being in pageants, because none of us like being judged, but there I was. No, I won a few of them, all right? So uh, I'm sure you can tell that by the picture. But just so I can recover, if you will indulge me just for a moment, because this is worthy of being judged, and it is shameful. But I'd like to recover really quickly, if you would let me. So, here's a picture of me using power tools. Here's a picture of me holding something dead that I killed. Here's a picture of me with a Smalley. I caught that Smalley in Lara Lake in the winter. Man, that's a pretty one. And here's a picture of me when I bought so much meat that they gave me a free bag to carry it in. Come on. Uh, Now I feel a little bit more manly. Got my manliness back. (laughs) See, nobody likes to be judged. The truth is we're not very good at being judged. We don't like when people judge us. And we started doing something as a staff around here. Um, We have uh, people that we call communicators, which is just staff that get up on platforms during services like this and say anything with a microphone. We call those people communicators. And uh, so we have these things called communicator drills. And I don't like them. Because what we do is we get everybody together that's one of these communicators. We go into this small room back here. We sit around a table. And then one at a time, we get up and we stand up in that little room with those people right there. And we have to do a welcome. We have to do an offering talk. And sometimes Trevor will be like, hey, you know, we'll get in the room and he'll be like, hey, here's what I just preached on. Here's what I want you to incorporate into the, you know, and you got 30 seconds to write it. And then you gotta go up there and do it. And everybody's gonna judge you. I don't like that. Man, that's uncomfortable for me. I was leaving the gym one morning with uh, Jared Adams, who's on staff here, and uh, he said, oh, dude, it's stage drill day, Are you, you know? I was like, oh, communicator drills. He was like, you don't like them? I was like, no, I hate them. I hate them. It's not because I hate doing the communicating, but I hate standing there and being judged. I'm not good at being judged, and if you're honest, you're probably not good at being judged either. But i tell you something we are good at. Maybe I shouldn't put that on you. I'll tell you something I'm good at, judging. Yeah, anybody with me? Anybody else good at judging? I'm so good at judging, golly, it is just me. Woo! <laughs> I am so good at judging people. I'm so good. See, if you're honest with yourself, I know you were just afraid to raise your hand because you didn't want anybody to judge you. But if you're honest, you're pretty good at judging too. You do it all the time. It's a natural thing that occurs in your life, but you're good at judging even though you know this, and this is something that, that we kind of all know. This is a truth that, that we've heard in church or that's been passed down through our denominations or, or whatever, maybe through Christian family members. This is a truth that we all kind of can get behind, which is this, Christians shouldn't judge. Christians shouldn't judge. Now, both Christians and non-Christians alike, they would agree on this. Christians shouldn't Judge and, and, and a lot of times people will cite specific verses uh, in scripture. They'll say that, that, you know, the Bible says, the Bible says Christians shouldn't judge. And they're talking about verses like Matthew 7, where Jesus said, judge not or you too will be judged. And they're talking about places like Romans 14, whenever Paul said, why do you judge your brother and your sister? Let's stop passing judgment on one another. And so there it is. It's in the Bible, Right. It's in scripture, Jesus said it, Paul said it in Romans, that's black and white, that's simple, go ahead, and stamp it. Christians shouldn't judge, done. But what if I told you that it's not that simple? What if it's more complex than that? What if it's not black and white? What if it's not right and wrong? What if it's more difficult and more messy than that. What if I told you this? What if I told you that scripture doesn't teach that we should never judge, but it teaches who and how to judge. That scripture never teaches that we shouldn't judge, but it teaches us who and how to judge. That sounds wrong because don't judge. That sounds sounds good. That sounds right because we don't like being judged. You know, Jesus said that thing, do to others that you want them to do to you, the golden rule. So I don't like it, I shouldn't do it to other people. But scripture doesn't say that we shouldn't do it. Scripture says, here's how and who you should judge. And if that's true, then why do so many of us believe that Jesus taught and that the scripture teaches that we shouldn't judge? Why do so many of us believe that, that, that God doesn't want us to judge? Well, there's a couple of reasons for that. The first reason is this, is because it's very difficult for us, in 2018, in the United States of America, in Kentucky, to escape the culture within which we live. And so whenever we look at this ancient text and this ancient word of judge and the premise that's being presented to us, it's impossible for us to actually see it completely Clearly, So we have an incomplete and an inaccurate understanding of what judging really is. We think we know what it is. We think we understand it. But, but the culture that you're in, there's no way to escape. There's no way to escape your political correctness biases. There's no way to escape your political party bias. There's no way to escape what your grandma always taught you or what she always said or what your parents There's no way to escape that. When we look and we try to interpret what this means, all of that culture and all of that history is the lens through which we look to decide, what does that mean? And so we have an inaccurate and at least an incomplete understanding of what judging really means. Now, the second reason, the second reason that we actually think that Jesus doesn't want us to judge and that scripture doesn't want us to judge, it's because we don't read the entire context of these stories. See, we like to go, Bible says, don't judge. I guess that was a country guy, I don't know. that. <laughs> Bible says, don't judge. Jesus said, judge not or you'll be judged. And see, we just stop right there. The problem is, Jesus didn't stop there, Jesus kept going. And in Romans 14, Paul had already said a bunch of stuff that he was referring to when he said what he said about not judging brothers and sisters. And so we have an inaccurate and an incomplete understanding of judging and we have a failure to read the entire context. So let's take a look at what Jesus actually says about judging. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Got it. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so when we read the context of what Jesus is actually saying, he's saying, look at yourself first. Look at yourself first. He's saying, don't be a hypocrite. Don't be like a self-righteous Pharisee, because the Pharisees were going around and they were full of, of sin and they were full of of, you know, they, they weren't able to keep the law, they were messing up, but they were going around judging people, condemning people, being all self-righteous. He's saying, Don't be like that. Don't do that. He's saying, Don't blame others while excusing yourself. Don't blame others while excusing yourself. A perfect example of this was me. In high school see I was a young Christian and I was I was an immature Christian but I had some truth some biblical truth and I was gonna stand on that truth and so there was one particular Sunday after church a a group of my friends um, they had gone to a particular movie and this particular movie was not a movie that I would have gone to at least not publicly because there was a lot of sexual innuendo in the movie. There was a lot of uh, women dressed, as my dad would say, provocatively. Yeah, he says it wrong. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but I heard them talking about it. This is after church, man. We've just been in the house of the Lord. How could you do this? And so I marched over there to him and I said, I stuck my head in. They didn't invite me over there. <laughs> I said, I can't believe you all went and saw that. And I turned and I walked away in disgust. You ever wish you could go back in time and smack yourself? That's one of those times. And that's a great example of what Jesus is talking about. You're blaming others while you excuse yourself because they went and saw a movie with sexual innuendo in it. At the same time in my life, I was having sex with my girlfriend on a continual basis. But that was private. Nobody knew about it. And so I elevated myself in my heart. I was way better than them. I would never go see that. Never go see that. I'm a good Christian boy, follower of Jesus. Can't let that in. And you shouldn't either. That's where I was. See, Jesus is saying don't blame others for things that you excuse yourself for. Essentially, he's saying this, give others the same amount of grace that you give yourself. You realize that you give yourself a lot of grace, right? You realize that whenever whenever you miss the mark, or whenever you mess up, or whenever you show late, or whenever you uh, show up late, or you miss the deadline, you always have some kind of good excuse, some good reason to justify for yourself why that happened. It's not that you're a lazy person. It's not that you don't respect the other person's time that you were late. It's not that you're a bad time manager. I mean, you can't control traffic. The babysitter was late. Too much to do. I had too much to do. I couldn't get it done on time. See, we excuse ourselves, but then whenever somebody else messes up, we begin to attribute their failure to their actual character. We don't do that to ourselves. We don't say, ah, I'm a liar, because I said I was going to be there at noon, but I showed up at 1215. But we look at other people when they're late, dude said he was going to be here, doesn't respect my time, disrespectful, he's a liar. And that's what we do, we give ourselves a pass and we hold each other, other people accountable. And he's saying, give others the same amount of grace that you give yourself. He's saying, look at yourself first, okay? Before you find an occasion to judge, look at yourself, take a look in the mirror, take inventory of the sin in your life, determine how much grace you need, and then you better give them as much or more grace than you require. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus isn't saying you shouldn't ever judge. He's saying don't judge like a hypocrite. Don't judge like a hypocrite. You see, context matters. It matters why Jesus is saying what he's saying. It matters who he's saying it to. It matters where he's saying it and when he's saying it. This is why it's so, 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 so important that you read your Bible it's why it's so important that you don't just take my word for it, or Trevor's word for it, or some preacher on TV, or your nana, or whoever. Because these little, these little cliches get passed down from generation to generation, and then we start building our life on those things. We start building our faith on these beliefs that we've talked about all throughout the series. And sometimes they're not even true. And so there's gonna be uh, some scripture in this message that I don't have time to read. I'm gonna give you references for it on the screen. You should go read those. You should go make sure that I'm not tricking you, that I'm not lying to you, that I'm telling the truth. You should go see if you interpret it the same way. Who knows, I may have thrown a random one in there just to see if anybody catches it. Context matters. That's why it's so important. It's so important that we're reading for ourselves. Jesus actually expects us to judge. Now, I know that's kind of weird to hear. It's kind of weird to say. But he expects us to judge. Let me show you what I mean. He goes on in Matthew chapter 7. He says this. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. but But inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. But their fruit, or by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So essentially, he's saying, Watch out for these people. How am I going to determine who is this type of person? You're going to look at their fruit. You're going to look at how they live their life. You're going to look at their action. You're going to see if it lines up. What is that if not judging? Essentially, Jesus is saying, You're going to have to judge these people. You're going to have to look at their life, look at the decisions they're making to determine who they are. It's, it, it's like a plant. If you want blueberries, if you want berries, you want grapes, if you want figs, you go up and you look at the plant. If it's helpful for you and it can give you nutrition, you look at the plant and if it's thorns, you go, no, that's harmful, that's not helpful. You have to look at it and assess it, analyze it, evaluate it, and make a decision. And so Jesus expected that we were going to judge and that we were even gonna to have to judge people at times. We do this all the time. We do this all the time, okay? I mean, you know this. First impressions are everything, right? When you meet somebody for the first time, you're sizing them up, aren't you? You're looking at them like, okay, yeah, all right, he's wearing that. She's, oh, mm, hadn't shaved today, huh? Yeah, I guess I wasn't worth that. Uh, what is that in the corner of his mouth? She's not a very cleanly person. Uh, I mean, you're sizing people up. That's what we do. You're trying to decide their credibility. You're trying to decide who they are. Whether you can trust them. Some of you, you probably did that to me today. Maybe you've never, never met me before. This is the first time you've heard me speak or seen me. Good to meet you. Glad you're here. But I came out here and you he started, look this dude, who's this joker? You know, sizing them up a little bit. Somebody was like, he's wearing tennis shoes. Man of the cloth ought not wear tennis shoes. Real man of the cloth ought to wear leather loafers. Right? Now that's hyperbole, but we do this. We do this. It's just natural for us. Listen, if I'm out in public somewhere and I see a dude come in and he's wearing a black hoodie and he's got the hoodie pulled over, he's got his hands in his pockets, and he's kind of blank staring off into space. I'm judging. I'm getting away. I'm getting my family away from that situation. At the very least, I'm paying very close attention to that dude because something ain't right there. We do this all the time. Let me tell you something for sure. I've got a little girl, and I've got another one on the way. And when boys start coming around, I guarantee you I'm going to be doing me some judging. I'm going to be judging them for who they are. I'm going to be judging their, I'm going to be looking at their parents. Who are they? Who are their grandparents? I'm going to go as far back as I can. I'm going to be judging me some boys. We do this, if you stop and think about it. We do this. Paul, a follower of Jesus, Paul endorsed this and Paul did this. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, Paul says uh, to the church of Thessalonica, he says, you should warn those who are idle and disruptive in the church because they were having a problem with people in the church who weren't working, who weren't doing their part. And you know how people who don't work and who don't do their part are, right? Whenever somebody, they're they're, they're not getting involved, they're not doing anything, they tend to start causing problems. That's just how it works, all right? Maybe that's judgmental. All right, here we go. (laughs) So they were causing problems. They were going to the people in the church who were working, and they were meddling in their business, and they were being disruptive because they didn't have anything to do because they weren't working. So Paul says, when you see that, warn those people. In other words, you have to judge them in order to warn them. You have to make a judgment that a warning is necessary, it's part of it. Not only did he endorse it there, but he actually practiced this with Peter in Galatians 2, 11. You should read that. He opposes Peter to his face. Peter, the follower of Jesus. Because Peter was a Jew, and you have to understand at this period of time, there were two, there were two groups of people that were trying to follow Jesus. Jesus had already died. Jesus had already been buried, and Jesus had been raised from the dead. That's what we believe. And so there was this new belief now that that Jesus was who he said he was and that no longer did you have to follow the law, which is what the Jews thought. You have to follow the law and you have to be circumcised if you want to be right with God. But Jesus had had, had come to fulfill the law and Jesus had died and he had raised from the dead. And now the only way you achieve salvation was by grace through faith in what Jesus did for you. That was the new truth. That was real. That was reality. And so Peter was a Jew. He had been accustomed to all the laws and everything. And then there was this other group called Gentiles. They weren't Jews. They didn't have the law. They were just finding out about Jesus. They were new to this whole thing. And and they had a lot of freedom. And so Peter is hanging out with Gentiles. And he's eating the food that they're eating. He's not observing the the Jewish customs anymore. He's free under Jesus. He knows he can partake in this same food because there's food you weren't supposed to eat. He's hanging out with them. And then this other group of Jews show up. Get this. Can't make this up. They call them in scripture, the circumcision group. They showed up, okay? It's Galatians two, read it. They show, as a matter, actually, you know what? i thought about starting a business where we come in and we declutter all your stuff like spring cleaning and using that name. We take all the stuff you don't need, the circumcision group. Anyway, Galatians two, you should read this. <laughs> I don't know. And so, Paul or Peter is hanging out with the Gentiles. The circumcision group, the real strict Jews show up who are saying, You've got to be circumcised even if you're a Gentile. You've got to follow the law. So, what does Peter do? He gets peer pressured by the circumcision group, stops hanging out with the Gentiles, starts telling the Gentiles, Yeah, you got to follow the laws. Yeah, you got to get circumcised. And Paul ain't having it. So, Paul confronts Peter. And he basically tells Peter, Who do you think you are, dude? You're sitting over here trying to hold them to standards that you yourself weren't living up to before the circumcision group got here. You were sitting there eating what they were eating. You're a hypocrite. Paul judges Peter, and he calls him out. He goes to him, and he calls him out about it. And so, if Jesus expected us to judge, if Paul endorsed it, if Paul actually did it, That it must stand to reason that we must, if we believe that we're not supposed to judge, we must have an incomplete and an inaccurate understanding of what judging is. Because when we think of judging, we think of this. We think of condemning, devaluing, and punishing. That's what we think of when we think of judging. And we can all agree that this type of judgment is off limits. It's not for us. God does this, not us. This is not something that we should do. Now, the type of judging that we're expected to do is this, analyzing, evaluating, and get this, restoring. Restoring. This is the kind of judging that we're expected to do. Not condemning people, devaluing people, punishing people, but analyzing the situation, evaluating things, and restoring people. That's the part of judgment that we seem to not understand. And it's the part of judgment that we're asked and required to do. As a matter of fact, this is a key component of the progress of the church. This is a key component to your spiritual progress. And so if we just go around thinking, "Well, we can't judge, we can't judge, we're not supposed to judge. You The Bible says we're not supposed to judge. And we have an inaccurate or an incomplete understanding of what this is, we will miss the opportunity to progress spiritually we will miss the opportunity to progress organizationally as a church. This is why one of our core values is we can't stay here because we believe that we are supposed to be making progress. We believe we're supposed to be growing as an organization. We believe we're supposed to be getting better. We believe we're supposed to be reaching more people. We're supposed to be innovative in the way that we do that so that we can communicate with more people and more people can understand the message of Jesus. But we also believe that we can't stay here doesn't just apply to us corporately as a body, but us as individuals. We believe that we can't stay where we are spiritually. We believe that we can't stay where we are as husbands or as wives. We believe that we can't stay where we are as bosses, as, as employees, and as followers of Jesus, that we need to be progressing and getting better. And this is a key component to making that happen. It's like whenever I go to the gym, there's a few few of us that go to the gym and you know, normally we don't like being judged. But you know what we do when we go to the gym? We video each other and we sit there and we give each other critique on how our form was. Why is that? And why is it that I'm okay with that? Because I know that the person is trying to help me and they're trying to build me up. They're trying to make me stronger. They're trying to make sure that I don't get hurt. And so we may look at each other and say, hey, you know, your knees are coming in on that squat. You're gonna gonna hurt yourself. Hey, you're bending your back. You're rounding your back on that. But we don't go to the guys over there deadlifting and go, hey, hey, your back's rounded. That ain't none of my business. That's none of my business. See, this is a key component to building us up spiritually, to keeping us healthy and keeping us from being hurt this type of judging. And this is why it's so important that you get involved in a group. And that's why one of our other core values, this is a commercial for the core values apparently, is we is greater than me. We is greater than me. That's why it's so important that you get in a group because because surely you're not so self-deceived or so arrogant to think that you know best how to fix everything or that you can even identify everything that's wrong and messed up and jacked up about you because I know I've got a list a mile long and we need people to help us see that. That's the kind of judging that Jesus is talking about and that Paul is talking about. And here's the thing. We have to be willing to receive it and we have to be willing to give it. We have to be willing to give it. The truth is we're better at the first one. We're better at condemning, devaluing, and punishing. We're better at that kind of judgment. You know why? Because we can just do that in our heart. See, we're better whenever you know, we, just, we just judge somebody internally and we kind of elevate ourselves over them. We're better just from a distance making assumptions about a person. We're better at tearing them down. We're better at you know, not going and talking to them but talking about them with our friends, you know, because we want to help them, we need to talk. I need to tell this person about what they did so I can figure out how to help them, but I don't have any intention of actually helping them. That's just wrong, it's just wrong. We're better at categorizing people, just putting people into a category, judging them, labeling them, boom, that's you. We're better at just, we're better just much easier to just dehumanize people just just kind of dehumanize them, put a, put a name on them, call them all something. Now they're just that. We're better at condemning. I was at Walmart one time and this was at the first of the month. You guys know where this is going. You're trying not to judge what you already are. And so was I. I was there, nobody ever wants to be there when they're there, I don't think. Walmart's great, I love you Walmart. But there were so many people there, it was the first of the month, and I'm just gonna tell you how it was because we're all big boys and big girls in this room. The people that were in the aisle with me reeked. They stunk, bad, atrociously. And at one point I was walking down the aisle and one of the people bent over to get something and half of their backside was out of their pants. And it wasn't, it wasn't good. It wasn't clean. And I was disgusted. And it was disgusting. But here's what started happening in my heart. I started making assumptions. Now, I didn't, I, never, I didn't just say to myself, I am so much better than that person. I didn't say that. But I started making assumptions about that person in my mind and in my heart. And I started devaluing that person. How could you, how could you, how could somebody live like that? I mean, how could you, that's just disgusting. Uh, No pride, no buff. Oh man, probably in here with their food stamps. Probably gonna go get Mountain Dew. They'll probably, they'll probably get filleted too. I can't even afford that. Start making these assumptions, judging these people that I've never even met. I didn't say anything out loud. This is happening right here. That's why it's so, so dangerous. Because it's a heart issue. And here's what happened to me that day in Walmart. I was standing there. I was having those thoughts. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit whispered to me. I didn't hear audible words. I just sensed this and said, I love them as much as I love you. And I died for them just the way I died for you. And I would go and I would embrace them right now. I would touch them. I would hug them. I would hang out with them. You're no better than them. And so there I stood in Walmart. And now I was crying. (laughs) Got a little dose of humble pie. And we need that from time to time. But that's what we're good at. We're good at that kind of judgment but we're not permitted to judge people like that. We're just not permitted to do it. Now we can judge, but there are parameters. There are parameters to how we judge. Now, when I was in high school and I was playing basketball, we were were playing this game and it was halftime and we were pretty close, the game was pretty close, but we just were kind of playing, you know, not aggressive or whatever. So coach comes in at halftime, he's getting on to us. And then right before we went back out, You know, he'd already given, like, the first speech. He comes back in, and he says, you guys are playing weak. You're not aggressive. I want you to get aggressive this half. I want to see somebody knock somebody on their tail. That's the G version. And I said to myself, I can do that. I can knock somebody on their tail. I'm not the tallest. I'm not the fastest. But I got some power in these hips. I can knock somebody down. We use these things. So I went out, literally, first play of the game, they had the ball, I'm guarding the guy. His buddy from his team comes over to set a pick on me, so he's gonna like try to stop me. So I just lower my shoulder, bend my knees, plow through the guy. Ref calls a charge, push, whatever, I don't know what he called. It was a foul. So, fine, they get the ball over on the side, take it out, come back in, I kid you not. An exact replica of what just happened, happened again. It was like another replay. He dribbles the ball. This guy comes over. They're going to do the same thing. Fine. I plowed through the guy again. <laughs> Called another foul. Coach subs, subs in for me. I get over there. What are you doing? I said, you said you wanted somebody knocked on their tail. He said, yeah, but you've got to use your brain. You've got two fouls. You can't just go around knocking everybody down. It's not that simple. That's right. Come on. I love it. But that's what happened. And that's how we treat judgment sometimes. See, we can't just go rolling over people with judgment. You have to use your brain, you have to think, you have to use discernment, you have to evaluate. You can't just roll people over with judgment all the time, but if we're allowed to judge and we're supposed to judge, then that leaves this question. How should Christians judge? How should Christians judge? And I'm not gonna have time to explain all these verses. You should go read these for yourself. But this, these are some parameters for how Christians should judge when it comes to scripture. One, you should judge yourself first. That's what Jesus taught us in Matthew 7. We already looked at that. You should look at yourself first and judge yourself. Two, don't judge non-Christians. That's off limits. That's in 1 Corinthians 5. You should read that. You're not allowed to judge non-Christians. So if you don't know if somebody's Christian or not, off limits. If you know they're not, off limits. Don't judge the gray, Romans 14. You should read that for yourself too because not not every issue that exists is black and white. Scripture is not entirely clear about every issue that's out there. There are some issues that are gray areas. It just is what it is. And Paul teaches you're not allowed to judge people on those areas. You may think that it's a sin to wear a hat in a building. Well, guess what? That's not explicitly defined in the scripture. So you can't go judging somebody who does. That's off limits. And then number four, how should we judge? We should gracefully restore. We should gracefully restore people. Paul said it in Galatians 6, one. He said, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught In a sin, you who are spiritual should restore them gently. If someone's caught in a sin, not you suspect that they're sinning, not that you've judged and evaluated that they sin, if you actually catch them in the sin, you should restore them gently. And so how do we gracefully restore somebody? How do we gracefully restore somebody? I mean, how do we even do that? It's fine to say that, but what does that mean? Where are the steps? Where's the manual? Well, the truth is that there's there's no manual. There's no manual, but motive and method matter. Your motive and your method, when you go to correct, go to restore, go to help someone, your motive and your method matter. Your motive must be to build them up. To mend them back together. That's what the word that Paul used when he said restore. It's the same word that they use for mending nets. Your motive must be to put them back together. Your motive can't be making a point. That can't be your motive. Your motive can't be proclaiming truth. Well, it's the truth, by gosh, and I'm going to stand on truth. I'm going to tell them how it is. That can't be your motive. What is more important You communicating that truth to the person or that person growing closer to God. What's more important? What is your motive? Your motive matters. Your motive can't be so that you can establish moral superiority in your own heart. That can't be your motive. Your motive matters and your method matters. Your method needs to be gentle. It needs to be graceful. What does that look like? What does that mean? I I don't know for every specific situation that you have, for the people that are in your life in your sphere of influence, I don't know. It's messy, it's difficult, it's relational. There's There's not one answer that exists. You treat it like this, no. You take every situation one at a time. You evaluate, you consider everything. How did Jesus do it? But we can can glean some insight from how Jesus judged. And so we look to Jesus, we look to Jesus. And there are two specific instances that I wanna talk about where people sinned or messed up. They fell short, they missed the mark and Jesus ends up having a face-to-face with them. And we can learn from how Jesus handled them because John told us that Jesus he's full of grace and truth so how's he gonna handle this can't skip on the truth can't be all grace like that Creek Church how's Jesus gonna handle it so there's a woman that's caught in the act of adultery The Pharisees catch her in the act of adultery and they bring her to Jesus and they say, Jesus, the law says she should be stoned. What do you say? And what does Jesus do? Jesus looks back at the Pharisees and he says, whichever one of you is without sin, go ahead and stone her. Now, what is that? That is exactly what Jesus described in Matthew 7. He said, Look at yourself first. Evaluate yourself first. And if you find that you have the moral high ground to stone her, then do it. And so Jesus bends down, he doesn't even pay attention. And eventually he stands back up and there's the woman with him. And he says, where is everybody? Because everybody left. Because whenever we look at ourselves, honestly, We know that we have no platform from which to judge in a condemning way, anybody. He says, where's everybody? She says, I don't have any accusers anymore, Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn you. I don't condemn you either. But then he says, go and leave your life of sin. Go sin no more. There's that truth. He called it out. But see, he had defended her. He had shown her grace and then he acknowledged some truth in her life. And then there was Peter, the follower of Jesus, the one we talked about earlier, who while Jesus, when Jesus was arrested and was going to trial, Peter was there and he was looking and and somebody saw him and they said, you, Peter, I've seen you with, with Jesus, haven't I? Don't you know him? And Jesus is on trial for his life. And it would be nice if I was on trial for my life, for my friends to speak up about me and tell the truth about me. But you know what Peter did? He said, no, I don't know him. He denied him. And they asked him two more times and he denied him two more times. Three times he denied Jesus. And then that leads ultimately to Jesus being executed. But then after Jesus is raised from the dead, he has an encounter with Peter where they have breakfast together on the shore because Peter was a fisherman. He was out there fishing. Jesus said, come eat breakfast with me. And so they're eating breakfast. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. You know I love you. And, and Jesus says, if you love me, feed my sheep," which is what, what he meant was, do the work I've asked you to do. Lead the people. And then he asks him two more times the same question, and he gave him the same response. Yes, Lord. And Jesus said, feed my sheep do what I've asked you to do. Follow me. He ends with that. Follow me, Peter. And that's it. All grace for Peter. Now, if there was a hierarchy of sin of which one mattered the most, you've got a woman who was having sex with someone and you've got a man who in the savior of the world the son of god was on trial who denied him publicly and ultimately contributed to the execution of god which one matters more but jesus didn't give him any truth jesus didn't say yeah i was there i saw you you denied what's wrong with you you pansy come on man you know what you did He looked at him and he said, do you love me? Well then follow me. Why? Because his motive was to restore Peter. And his method was gentle grace. It was gentle grace. And so Jesus teaches us something about how to judge and he teaches us this. When it comes to judging, truth should follow grace. Grace. And sometimes grace should go alone. Grace should always lead the way. And that's why we look in first. That's why we look at ourself first. Because when we do, we realize how much grace we need. We realize how much we need him. And so we always lead pray for us. Father, Lord, God, we're grateful to you today. God, we're grateful as we've taken a moment to consider ourselves and as we look inward and we take inventory of our lives and we know that we've got problems and we've got mess-ups and we've got issues. I certainly do. God, we are grateful for your grace. We are grateful for your love and so Lord we come to this sobering realization that if we're gonna get any of this right we need you and we need you in a big way and so Lord we ask that you lead us it's in Jesus name